0: Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Let's jump into the business of the morning. Exodus chapter number three. Glory be to God. From verse one. NKJV, we're starting a new series today, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The whole month of March, we'll be teaching on this series, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you there? Exodus 3 from verse 1. All right, I'm going to do from verse 1 to 6, and then I'm going to jump to 13 to 15, all right? The Bible says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, capital A, appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, The bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse number 13. Then Moses said to God, this was after they had a whole dialogue and so on and so forth. God said, I'd send you to Egypt and so on and so forth. Anyways, 13. Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say. To the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial To all generations. Holy Spirit, we ask again that you help us breathe upon your word. Let it mix with faith in our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Moses was a guy who grew up in Egypt. And so he shows up. at the backside of the desert, and he sees a bush burning. And the Bible says that the bush is burning and the bush is not consumed. How many of you agree with me that that is going to catch your attention? This is the kind of stuff you see every day? Like, seriously? Like, your lawn is just burning and it's never consumed? So Moses stops to observe. The truth of the matter is this. A lot of times when God wants to get your attention, he would use something that's familiar to you. And so for you, the way God might get your attention or the way God would speak to you might be different from how he speaks to me. The reason why God caught Moses' attention in this dramatic manner was because Moses had a background in Egypt. Egypt was very advanced in magic. So everything that looked like magic was very attractive to someone that had that background. So he was curious wow, this is the kind of stuff we saw in Egypt. We saw all kinds of, don't forget Pharaoh's magicians. Don't ever forget those dudes. Remember Jesus, remember the Holy Spirit, remember those bad guys. They're bad people. They, they did magic for, for a living. And so Moses turned aside and he's like, wow, hmm, these Egyptians have followed me here again. You know, that was his mentality. And immediately, God quickly separated that, you know, cleared his mind on that issue, saying to him, It's not about the Egyptians. This is not magic. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he's now very interested. He's now very interested. And God says to him, so listen, hold on a second. If God came to you and said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I put myself in the shoes of Moses, there must have been a revelation that that name sustained there must have been a feeling that Moses had when he heard that and you know he there must have been something that it triggered in him. God wouldn't just give you oh this is my name if it does not mean anything to you. So I started to wonder what do you think that name meant when Moses heard it? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. What exactly do you feel like Moses thought when he heard those words? I personally think that he thought this is the faithful God. Because the stories that had been passed on from generation to generation was about how God called Abraham, their ancestor, and God was faithful to him, and God called Isaac, and God was faithful to him, and God called Jacob, and God was faithful to him. So in his mind, in that moment, amongst other things, God saying, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he was putting his antecedents forward to Moses. He was trying to tell Moses, remember all the stories you've heard about this God? Remember it now because I'm about to put a demand on your life. That if you don't have that understanding, you cannot go forward from here. So I imagine that when Moses heard that, he was like, oh, that's that God. The one that gave Abraham a child at the age of 100. That's him. The one that enlarged our ancestors. The one that took Jacob out of his father's house and brought him back expanded. The one who took, you know, no, Isaac. And then the one who blessed Jacob, gave him 12 sons. And made him increase in Egypt. This is him, for real. This is the God we've always heard about. And so his interest was piqued. But not just his interest. There was a revelation that the name sustained. And it is that God is faithful. Can you tell someone for me, God is faithful? No, no. Tell someone, my God, my God. He is faithful. He is faithful. We're singing covenant-keeping God this morning. That speaks to the faithful nature of God. There is no point having a covenant with someone that's not faithful. What's the point? Do you know what a covenant is? It's an agreement. It's a contract. And so if the person is not faithful, then you forget, just rip the New Testament and Old Testament and throw it in the garbage. The entire premise of Scripture is that our God is faithful. And I know that sometimes when we go through situations in our lives, we get challenged. We ask ourselves, is God really faithful? If, if, if God is faithful, why are these things happening to me? Why is this thing taking so long? But God has always been faithful. He would always be faithful. Thank God that he doesn't change. He never changes. The Bible says of, of Sarah in Hebrews chapter 11 that Sarah judged God as faithful. That means that Sarah actually considered. Because sometimes when we come to church, you know, your pastor says God is faithful, you just repeat it after him so you don't look like you're not born again. but sarah actually stepped back and said you know let's put god on trial let's let's examine the facts who are the lawyers in the house lawyers i see one one or two lawyers yeah let's examine the facts of this case based on the evidence my judgment my verdict is that god is he's faithful that's what the bible says that she judged god as faithful do you know how faithful god when we think about jesus by the way a lot of us say, yeah, he's the son of God. A lot of things that he did, he did as a son of God. No, no, he did not do everything as a son of God. He was a man like you and I. If he wasn't a man, he wouldn't have had the capacity to be tempted. Do you understand? Yeah. Jesus did not have the sin nature, but he had the capacity to sin. He did not sin, though. Just like Adam never had the sin nature, but he had the capacity to sin. And he sinned. Thank you. <laughs> and he sinned. And he sinned. Jesus was a man. So I imagine huh, that there were moments of doubt in his heart. I imagine if, 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 look, if it's not a test, they won't call it a temptation. The only reason why it's a temptation means that yeah, it was a consideration. If you go to someone who is impotent, Sorry, I'm sorry. you are coming from the marriage marriage conference. (laughs) My head is still somewhere else. And and you try to tempt the person with women. That's not a temptation. There's no consideration. Someone said exactly. (laughs) There's there's no consideration. There's no consideration at all. But when you're tempted, like for example, when you say you're going to fast, and at 12 o'clock, the aroma of food it means that there is, you, you consider, should I break my fast? Or should I consider? There's, there's a consideration. So Jesus had the capacity to consider sin. It wasn't like, oh, everything just came and he was just like, psh, psh, you know, like the matrix is all good, nothing. No! He considered. You remember the last temptation of Jesus? This is not where I'm going, but I don't know why I'm staying here. The last temptation of Jesus was what? The, the devil took him to the pinnacle and told him, showed him all the kingdoms, of, okay, and the glory of this world, and said to him, I will give all this to you if you will bow down and worship me that was the last temptation and Jesus rebuked him and said away with you Satan do you realize that this consideration that temptation Jesus continued to consider it and I can prove it to you because when we get to the Lord's Prayer Jesus at the end says for thine is the kingdom that tells me that he had to remind himself constantly as part of his daily prayer that the kingdom does not belong to Satan and the glory and the power, it belongs to God. He says, for, in other words, when he's going around the streets of Jerusalem, he's thinking, hmm, 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 shortcut, no. For thine, O oh God, is the kingdom, the, come on, you didn't go to Sunday school, the power and the glory forever. That's exactly what Satan offered him. So Jesus was a man like you and I. He's on his way to the cross. And he's going to die. Really. Only trusting in the faithfulness of God to raise him up. He, He didn't have power in himself to raise himself up. So all the bragging he was doing, I'll go to the cross, I'll die, on the third day I'll rise again. He was really just saying, I trust God. I trust my father. He has promised me that's what would happen. He goes to the cross and dies. And not a day late god is faithful he's always been faithful he would forever be faithful the little things that go on in our life will never change the fact that god is a faithful god so moses understood this like this is the faithful god so what do you have to say and god starts to talk to him about a bunch of things and god says that i am i'm the god of abraham isaac and jacob I want you to understand that that name the god of abraham isaac and jacob it all starts with abraham as a matter of fact it's all about abraham isaac and jacob were victims of abraham's faithfulness they were victims the deal was with abraham it all starts with abraham and it starts in genesis chapter 12. genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 popular scripture the bible says the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is where the name starts. And let me say this to you, that if Abraham never aligned himself fully with God, this revelation that sustained in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would have been lost. Well, maybe God would have revealed it through another person, but we would not have that name today. The reason why we have the name we can say the god of abraham isaac and jacob is because a particular man decided to yield himself so much get himself in perfect alignment with god that god could do anything he wanted to do with that man's life isaac was a victim he could not come and say i don't want the god of abraham no the god of abraham had already conscripted him by the agreement he had with Abraham. It starts with a man. And one of the questions I have for you this morning is, what will start with you? What revelation of God would be lost because of your refusal to align with God? I don't know about you, but there is, There is something about men in Scripture that shows a dominant expression of God. So when you hear Solomon, what do you think about? Sorry? It's wisdom. When you hear Samson, what do you think about? Strength. There is a dominant expression of God that needs to come out through your life. But that's a function of your alignment with God. There is is a revelation of God that is captured on your inside. And God will start to beckon on you. Because the problem is we all want the blessings of Abraham. Do you not? Abraham's blessings are mine. I'm blessed in the morning, blessed in the evening. But you forget that before God ever promised him anything, God made a demand on him. The first thing God said to him was, get thee out. Made a demand on him. Then he said, then I will bless you. We don't want the first part. We want the second part. There is something that God wants to do in you, through you, that requires complete alignment. And if you align properly, there is a revelation of God that will be captured in, that, in the outcome. And people can say, wow, this guy is proof that God can restore. This guy is proof that the Lord can heal, that the Lord can take a nobody and make him somebody. God can do that. It is a revelation of God that will be captured in our hearts. And so when we get to the book of Genesis 26, God is talking to Isaac here, not Jacob, Isaac. And God is saying to him, I'll bless you, I'll make you great, I'll multiply you and all that. And God says, the reason why I will do this is because of Abraham. So it has nothing to do with you. And that was a bit humbling for Isaac. He was like, oh God, I thought it was my... No, it was Abraham. It was about Abraham. Genesis 26 and verse 5, the Lord appeared to him, and the same night he said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you. Multiply your descendants. Why? For my servant Abraham's sake. It was all about Abraham. It was all about Abraham. So today, I just want to challenge you. We're going through a series this month, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll talk about the covenant dimensions of God and some of the the expressions we want to see, okay, based on God's covenant nature. But the first thing I need to put up front is the responsibility. Don't try to claim the promises without paying the price. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. So let's start. What did he say? The Bible says, for the Lord had said. In other words, how God will lead you is with his voice. God will say things to you. God will place a demand, by the way, by the way, we get to understand when you do a study of this scripture that God started speaking to Abraham many years ago when he was like in his thirties, I believe. It took him till he was seven to five to obey God. But God kept waiting for him. The Bible says the Lord had said, the Lord had said, has God ever said anything to you before that it took you a while to catch on? And you're just like, no, I reject this. And the voice just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger. That's what happened to Abraham. The Lord had said, the Lord had said, get thee out. It starts with a word from God, an instruction. As a matter of fact, your true life starts after God has spoken a word to you. Yes, the Lord had said. And what did God say to him? He said, get thee out. I want to stop there and let you understand that this is a very difficult thing to ask a person to do. God said to him, get thee out of your country, of your family, and of your father's house. God, trying to, God was trying to isolate him. God was trying to separate him. And for some of us right now, God is asking you to get out of certain things. The Bible says, come out from among them, and be ye separate. All right? God is asking you, get thee out. A separation from something, but a separation to something. Separation from his family, from the, the paganistic ways but also a separation unto God. And so God started to work upon him. And the truth of the matter is that God will work upon you as you proceed in your walk with him. Oh, yeah. When he's dealt with the issue of pride, he will start on the issue of greed. <laughs> you, the joke, it never ends. When he's done with greed, he will start with lust. And you say, but I didn't know I had lust He said, don't worry. I'll show you that you have lust. <laughs> you know, he would work on you. He would work on you. The expectation of God is that you are changed his blessings are there his blessings are there but there is something to do and a lot of things that god cannot do with us until we are fully separated from from whatever it is we need to be we're we're joined to so pay attention to me i want to just say something to you here um do you remember james and john the sons of zebedee siblings two brothers the only sons of their parents now in the jewish tradition jewish culture Family, businesses are passed on from generation to generation. That's how it works. There's, by the time you are born, you know what you are going to be based on what your father is. There's no, don't get creative. Don't say, I'm going to be, I'm going to invent apple. You're not inventing apple. <laughs> we, this is the trade. So Jesus was a carpenter because his early father was a carpenter. That's, that was the culture. And so technically what happens is that they build the business, it grows, they pass it on to the next generation. It grows, they pass it on. The Jews are very big on working with their hands. And Jesus comes to the seashore, sees a father with his two sons, mending their nets. That's their family business. And he calls the two sons. Do you understand what that means? Follow me. And he walks away. (laughs) I'm sure James, the, the father of James and John says, excuse me. What? Can you take one and leave one? This is a very hard thing to do. And God says, Jesus says, come. And he walks away. (laughs) and he says follow me and i will make you fishers of men that was a heavy price to pay that was a heavy price to pay. i'm trying to say, say this to you that you can never serve god from a place of convenience never never before i start to release all the covenant dimensions in the next few weeks let's talk about the responsibility there is a price to pay if you must follow god he says get The out. I have a lot I want to do with you, Abraham, but I can't do anything with you here. Move now. Move. And Abraham picked up his belonging and he struggled and he took took a lot with him. And he was going on the journey and God is like, okay, partial obedience. God is interesting. It gets to a point where God blesses them so much that they are forced to separate. They should never have been together to begin with but they're forced to separate. Now, this guy called Lot is not smart. I can tell you that because when, <laughs> when they were going to separate, because they had so much money, so much belongings, Lot. the Bible says Lot surveyed the land, he saw the plains of Sodom, and he saw it was green and lush, and it was very attractive to the eyes. For some of you, this is a message for you. You're looking for a spouse. You're, anyways, <clears throat> blood of God. And, and, and it was very attractive to the eyes. It made sense. It looked like America, the land of opportunity. Uh, And the Bible says, Lot said, here is where I'll go. He forgot that. The reason he was blessed was because he was joined to Abraham. So the moment he left, the Bible says, and God spoke to Abraham again, now look up from where you are, north, east, west, south. God gave him promises. But the very next chapter... Lot was already in jail. Do you know, the very next chapter, he was captured and his family. Abraham had to mobilize an army to go and save Lot. A couple chapters after that, Sodom and Gomorrah was completely destroyed. So all the lush grains that he saw that looked, oh, by my economic you know, plans, this thing will grow at 20%. It went away. He escaped with his life. He even lost his wife. See what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> he even lost his wife in the process. He took, uh, his life became a mess. His children slept with him. Oh, yes. You didn't read your Bible. They got him drunk. They said they raped him. <laughs> let's say what it is. It's true. They raped, they raped him. It's true. Men can be raped. He was raped. He was raped. This guy's life was a mess. I'm trying to say this to you, that it was always about Abraham. And God can have such a commitment to a person once you commit yourself to him. He is faithful. Don't forget we established that already. He is faithful. He is faithful. Jesus said to us in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, he said, He who loves father or mother more than me he's not worthy of me. I'm going, what? Seriously? Yeah. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He's not worthy of me. So when you walk with God, there's a price you'd pay. That's a fact. Don't deceive yourself. There are times when God would, the price you'd pay is that God will start to tell you to do things that you're not comfortable doing um, because it bruises your ego. i talking about that in the marriage conference yesterday. God will tell you, going to apologize to your wife. I have these conversations with God for real. Like, me and God, we talk about it. I say, God, <laughs> on the earth, this is not done. <laughs> Only in heaven do they do this kind of thing you're asking me to do. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. God say, okay, okay, no problem. Continue. Language in the wilderness. So I'm God say, sorry. God said I should hug you. God says, I didn't tell you to say. I told you to hug. Just <laughs> go and hug and move on. He would deal with your ego. He would deal with every... (laughs) So God said to Abraham, go. But Abraham went, but he still had some key leg. He lied. He said his wife is a sister. Remember? He did that. He wasn't fully trusting God. Because if he trusted God, he wouldn't have to lie. He thought he could be a bit smart. That's what happened. He took a lot with him, you know. Then after a point, his wife put pressure on him. He took a Hagar as a maid, had a child with Hagar. And after a while, God came back to Abraham and said, I am the Almighty, Genesis 17 and verse 1. It says, now walk before me and be perfect. Now, in other words, God was saying, I've been observing you. You're trying, but you need to step it up. And I think that's the message of God to someone here today. You're trying, step up, step it up be blameless when I read this thing I laughed because I remember growing up we had I have four brothers We were five guys and we're all kinds of bad Um, true (laughs) my mom suffered and my dad my dad if you did something and it happened to escalate to my dad that's an escalation that that's it and sometimes it's not necessary we tell my mom this is not necessary we don't need to get him involved <laughs> you know let's <laughs> let's deal with it we don't need to get him involved in this matter when it's escalated to my dad so let's assume that he's in the living room or something and my mom says oh this is a report i got from digi school today he was kissing under the staircase true true story it's happened <laughs> it's happened It happened I'm, I'm telling you true i was 14. anyways so my dad would my dad say, for real, for real. So he would say, okay, follow me. And he's walking to his, maybe his bedroom. And there's this long corridor of death in our house. But as far as I'm following him, I'm safe. Because even if he turns around, I will see him. And I will... But if he says to me, walk before me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's the, that's the longest walk in your whole life. Like, walk in front of me. I'm like, uh, okay, when is it coming? When is it coming? Like, that's what God told Abraham. God said, walk before me. It was as if God was saying to him, you've been trying your, now let's change the arrangement. you be perfect. And from that point, we see Abraham walk with God faithfully. 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 A year after that, thereabout, he had Isaac. God is faithful. He's faithful. But you can't serve him from a place of convenience. You can't. You can't say, God is merciful. Why doesn't he just allow certain things? Yes, he's merciful. He'll forgive you. But he will not excuse you. He will not. He will place a demand on you. He'll place a demand on you. It was after Abraham, the Bible says in verse 3, Genesis 12 and 3, that Abraham departed. He left. And the moment he left, Abraham had no other choice but to trust in God. That's the thing about walking with God. He wants to get you to a place where he's your only source. And your trust will be in nothing else, not your skills, nothing that you've been able to achieve, not your strategies. It will be just on him. So as you go through your day-to-day, as you go through your life. Can you listen to the demands of God on your life? It's the exact same thing that God told, Jesus told his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you. If you can't follow me, then don't expect to be made. It's as simple as that. I'll make you. I'll make you. And so every time, because of Abraham's faithfulness, every time the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, is invoked, he will respond. Because Abraham walked with him. For some of us, the biggest heritage, the biggest inheritance you will leave your children is a covenant with God. Yes. And by the way, you can leave your children a negative inheritance, a spiritual liability, that's what I mean. The same way there is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there's the devil of, (laughs) you know what I mean, names of generations. I want to work with God so much that there is such equity in my spiritual account that no matter what happens, where my children go in life, that God's commitment to them might not be because of what they do, or because of what I did. Do you understand? You have to want that. You have to want that. Even God knows that it's difficult to work with Him. It's difficult to work with His Spirit. The Bible says that as far as the heavens are from the earth. That's how high my ways are from yours. Your ways are not my ways. So, what makes sense to you does not make sense to God. And that's why when instructions come from God, they will never make sense. What he was asking Abraham to do did not make sense. What's the connection between leaving my father's house and having a child? Zero. What it takes to have a child, as far as we're concerned, is biology. He wasn't saying that there are better doctors or fertility clinics in Canaan, he just said, go. What's the connection? And the thing is that God will not always tell you what he will do. At least for Abraham, he told him, I will do this for you. He just says, go. He just says, go. What I love the most about this story is that God didn't hold on to the indiscretions of Abraham because Abraham messed up. How many of you have ever messed up before? I've messed up. You, you, some of you, since the day you gave your heart to Jesus... You walked perfectly before God. I've messed up many times. Many times you mess up. Just like Abraham did. And I'm glad that the Bible records Abraham's mess up. I'm glad. And the Bible still says that Abraham did not waver at the promise of God. That's not true, physically speaking. We know he wavered because he laughed when God said you would have a child. He was even negotiating. He told God, let Ishmael stand before you. God says, no, not Ishmael. I know what I'm saying. Your wife, Sarah, would have a child. So he wavered at the promise, but he did not stay wavering. He did not stay wavering. So so God is more concerned about the end. He didn't stay wavering. So you you have a moment of self-doubt and say, Oh, God, I'm not even sure if God is going to do this. That does not mean you've wavered unless you stay there. It does not mean unless you stay there. So Abraham's walk was not perfect all the way. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But God never held that against him. He never held it against him. He obtained a good report. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that a righteous man will fall seven times, but he will rise up again. The moment you fall and stay, you're no more a righteous man. You're a wicked man. You're a wicked man. We will, we will fall, we'll stumble, we'll miss it. And then you rise again and you continue on the journey. God is as committed to you as that, He will wait for you. He will poke your heart. He will say, are you ready? Can we go again? Next step is this. And he will make sure that he deals with everything. And, and, and those elements that you hold on to so much, when you're done, you get to a place where you can trust him. and say, it's, I'm sure it's going to be okay. If God said it, it's okay by me. And he will honor it faithfully. So much so that people can invoke your name before God and God will respond. Because that's what this means. When you say the God of Abraham, in other words, when God, that's what happened, by the way, in Genesis, no, Exodus, First Kings 18, Elijah. That's what happened in Exodus and Genesis. But in 1 Kings, Elijah was having a confrontation with the prophets of Baal. You know what he invoked? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, let it be known this day, O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you are the God of Israel. Before he finished speaking, fire came down. Every time that name was invoked, God remembers not the people. He remembers Abraham. He remembers Abraham. So I've made up my mind. And I hope someone will make, us, make up his mind with me to walk with God so faithfully. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about condemnation. Oh, you stumbled today. You're like, oh God, I stumbled, I stumbled. And then you are like, you're in that state for like three months. No, that's not, the con- that's not the conversation we're having here. It's just a commitment to align your heart to his in all things and in every way possible that when I'm done I can say for a fact I have left something for my children forget about the money or how, whatever you give them in physical things those things are rubbish as a matter of fact those things can go because the Bible says that Abraham gave gifts to Ishmael and all his other children but <laughs> He said that he gave Isaac all that he had. So, I have a question. If you gave gifts to the other children, that means you didn't give Isaac all that you had. So what the Bible is talking about is the blessing. Yeah, he gave the spiritual equity to Isaac. All of you, take the houses, take the lands, take this and go. But that thing that's upon Isaac will produce more than everything else I've given you. You must walk with God to the point that God honors. When Jacob was acting a mess, the Bible says that God encountered him. And God wrestled him down. <laughs> People think that it was Jacob that wrestled with God. The, the conversation did not start with Jacob wrestling with God. God started the fight. As if to say, why are you like this? I'm trying to work with you. I remember Abraham. And then along the line, Jacob got something. Then he says, I would not let you go until you bless me. Jacob could have been a nuisance. That guy had a tendency to be a nuisance. But God, con- God constrained him because of Abraham. What do you need to do? First thing, get thee out. There are things that God is telling you, get your hands out of it now. Obey him. Just do it. Like Nike. Number two, walk before him. Not behind him. Because when you walk before him, you walk with trepidation. Walk before him. Abraham was 99 years old when he got circumcised. I know that means nothing to you. But that's not okay. Under any circumstances, that's not all right. 99. 99. Circumcise your heart, cut off the foreskin. That talks about killing the flesh. 99. (laughs) Lastly, Abraham was willing to give up Isaac. The covenant that God had with Abraham is an everlasting covenant to never break, but you have to understand that it's sacrifice that makes covenants. There's no covenant without sacrifice. And so when you walk with God, that's a sacrifice. And based on that faithfulness, the level of faithfulness that you deploy, God is able to stand with you. You know that in the Bible, there are a number of covenants. You see the Abrahamic covenant, and then as an extension of the Abrahamic covenant, you see the covenant that God had with David. The reason why David was a candidate to begin with was because of Abraham. That covenant could not have been unless he was connected to Abraham. But I'm trying to say to you that every covenant is every covenant is crystallized on the platform of sacrifice. And you're wondering, what was David's sacrifice? David's sacrifice was that he intended to build a house for God. He did not build the house. He intended to build a house for God. One thing about God that a lot of people don't know is that Hmm. God will reward you for something you intended to do that you could not do as if you did it. Wait, just stay with me. So for example, God rewarded Abraham with an everlasting covenant because of Isaac. As far as God is concerned, Abraham offered Isaac. Do you understand what I'm saying? Please listen to what I'm saying to you know all of us are like well if god asked me for isaac too i would have given my isaac you lie you lie let me tell you you completely lie but in abraham's case if god did not stop him he would have given isaac so from the account of god abraham killed isaac and so god committed himself to abraham exactly the same way he would if he had killed isaac does that make sense Because the only reason why was because God said, don't touch him. That's exactly what happened with David. David would have built a house for God. God said, you will not build me a house because your hands are filled with blood. Your son, after you, will build me a house. But God gave him the reward of building a house for God. Do you understand that? Yeah. That's the God we serve. In the scales of heaven, there was weight. As far as I'm concerned, that house was built by David, not Solomon. And so I commit myself to David forever. The reason why God doesn't enter covenants with us is because we say, God, anything you ask me to do, I will do it. Just ask me clearly. Okay. (laughs) But God knows, and you know that you will not do it. It's too heavy a price to pay. So when we say God is just, his sovereignty just picked Abraham, it's true. His sovereignty picked Abraham. But over time, we understand why his sovereignty picked Abraham. God is not haphazard about his sovereignty. He's not. At all, he's not. He's not. So David is sleeping and he looks outside and he looks at the ark of God and he says, how can I sleep in a house? When God doesn't have a house, I will build him a house. And in that moment, because God knew that 100%, David would have done it. God gave him the dividends. There's some of us that some of the blessings that will come to your lives will be because you mean well, and you really mean well. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I had a friend when we were younger. Um, I was in university those days. And we belonged to a church, a church much like this. And in those days, a particular guest minister came to the church and he raised an offering and said, if we want to be part of, we wanted to change the sound system in the church at that time. If I remember correctly, it was $17,000, the investment. He said, come and give if you have money. Come and give. Come and give if you have money. People came out. People donated and all that. People came out. And I went into the usher's room. And my friend, he was my best friend then. His name, his name is Ni, nee, And he was crying. And I'm like, what's up? Sad, Because I want to give, but I don't have anything to give. In that moment, I knew that that guy would be a very wealthy guy. Yeah, and he is wealthy today. God knew. Can he trust you? Because we say it all the time. i know you know my motives are right it's just it's just a little shopping (laughs) and god is wondering uh, no 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 i know those people whose hearts are right we serve a god who can see our hearts and that's a dangerous thing about him bring isaac the bible says abraham rose early in the morning this is a promise of god you've waited for for 25 years You've been barren for more than 25 years, but you waited for this promise for 25 years. Now, God said, bring him. God said, the one you love, Isaac. And the Bible says, early in the morning, he rose up. He was about to kill the dude. And God says, nah, I don't take human sacrifice. But now I know that you fear me. And God swore a blessing over him. Please. I love all of you. But the days of playing one foot in, one foot out with God, those days are over. Like Elijah said, if you want to stand for God, stand for God. If you don't want to stand for God, then don't stand for God. Let's stand for him. Let's stand for him. The faithfulness of one man can impact a generation. Look, let me me tell you this, in case you're not aware. The conflict going on today in East, eastern europe if a nation invades israel israel let me let you know that <laughs> world war three has started why why do you think that is all this um political you know well let's sanction them you know we're gonna do america will carry food soldiers immediately they'll be on the ground why do you think that is? Israel is not bigger than Ukraine. There is a covenant that a man who is long gone still speaks over a nation. There are people walking the earth today that based on the covenants that God has with their fathers, the way they walked with him, you can't treat them anyhow. People are not equal though. Let me just tell you, we are not the same. I know we all look the same. Okay, please, please. We are all the same. But we are not the same. No, no, be, let's be, we are not the same. There are some people that <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you treat them badly you will not even know why you are paying the price. You will not know. Like Jacob, Laban cheated him. The Bible says Laban was coming to attack him. And the Bible says an angel appeared to Laban and warned him. And said make sure you just speak pleasantly. <laughs> just, <laughs> let me just warn you when you see him just speak well to him. Just tell him, oh, how, how are your children? Do you understand? The fear of God had come upon him. I want to make a call today. And I have two calls. The first call, we are all guilty. We are all, we are all captured in that one. It's a call to a higher consecration, to follow God faithfully. You will stumble, but stop dilly-dallying with God. We're past that. (laughs) We're past that. We want to walk with him faithfully. That's what God said to me when I gave my heart to Christ. The very Sunday I gave my life to Christ, he said to me, through a prophetic word, I will give you grace, but walk before me and be perfect. I assure you, I have not been perfect, but I'm trying, but I'm trying. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, Make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.